Hey, intrepid listeners. Uh, we want to engage you in a tell a friend campaign. Tell a friend. Mm-hmm. Tell two friends. Tell all your friends to tune into Caustic Soda. We're trying to get our listenership up, and uh, uh, you guys are out there to help us. So encourage people to check it out. Especially tell your friends who are squeamish. Yeah, those ones especially. <laughs> Imagine how fun that will be for you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a personal challenge. <laughs> See how many friends you can lose. Test your <laughs> test your friends with caustic soda, won't you? Trigger alert! Trigger alert! In this podcast, the hosts make light of serious situations that happen in real life. This may or may not include sexual assault. If you expect these topics will make you feel uncomfortable. We urge you to press stop and listen to some other episode of Caustic Soda. Thanks. Previously on Caustic Soda. Like I said, I need to get an abortion. Let me just ask you something, Ruth. Have you ever really taken the time to think about what it means to have an abortion? Yeah. Um, it means that I don't have to go to jail. And it means I don't have to have another baby. And... It means that I can start getting my life together. I, 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 I. Don't you think that's all just a little selfish? Isn't there someone else here you need to consider? Someone who's living inside you right now, just waiting to be born. And now, the conclusion. Public service announcement. I want to take this opportunity to thank our uh, researchers, Corey and Sherry, specifically for this episode. They did a lot of work. Mm -hmm. So a crisis pregnancy center, we'll call it a CPC from now on, Okay. sometimes called a pregnancy resource center, mm -hmm. is a nonprofit organization established to counsel pregnant women against having an abortion. Okay. CPCs generally provide peer counseling related to abortion, pregnancy, and childbirth, and may also offer additional non-medical services, such as financial assistance, child-rearing resources, and adoption referrals. Mm -hmm. CPCs that qualify as medical clinics may also provide pregnancy testing, sonograms, and other services. However, the vast majority are not licensed and provide no medical services. Okay. CPCs have been reported to disseminate false medical information, usually about the supposed physical and mental health risks of abortion. Yeah, crisis pregnancy centers, um, they were largely responsible for disseminating the myth that abortion is linked to breast cancer. So right. that was something that oh. they would often tell women to try and discourage them from having abortions. And it's not a medical fact. No, it's been um, yeah. thoroughly debunked. Yeah, right. completely. There's no correlation there. Yeah, um, why would people believe that? Like, we're... You know, do they think they're reaching so far up inside them? They're like scraping the back of their boobs or something. Hey, people believe what we tell them. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't even, I don't remember what they uh, cited as the mechanism of action there, but they did say that there was a correlation, but there absolutely is not. So pregnancy crisis, crisis centers at best will just not talk about abortion. They'll talk about the other options like right. parenting or adoption and pro provide some resources there and hopefully be very upfront about that fact that they do not support abortion and will not discuss it. Um, more often we see them actually giving false information, um, incorrect information about the procedure, really scary graphic information. Right. And they're still out there? They're still in oh, yeah. But not oh, so much that you have well. the fear abortion. Not oh, that yeah. scary. <laughs> uh -huh. CPCs are typically run, typically run by pro-life Christians according to a conservative Christian philosophy, often operating in affiliation with one of three nonprofit organizations, CareNet, Heartbeat International, and Birthright International. Yeah. As of 2013, there are roughly 2,500 CPCs in the U.S. as compared with 
1,800 abortion clinics. Oh, wow. Canada has roughly 200 CPCs and about 25 abortion clinics. Wow, that is not a lot. You can't get one everywhere. Think about that. You absolutely can't get one everywhere. Yeah. Um, abortion is fairly accessible in urban centers, um, but in rural centers where women have to travel and often don't have the resources to do that, abortion is not a very accessible service. But every building has a set of stairs, pretty much. <laughs> God. At least 20 U.S. states provide funding for CPCs. By 2006, U.S. CPCs had received more than $60 million of federal funding. Many crisis pregnancy centers vaguely advertise that they offer abortions, quote-unquote, all options, and some outright state they provide abortions in order to lure pregnant women considering an abortion. Some go as far as to set up shop on the same block as an actual abortion clinic and present themselves as the clinic, causing women to enter their building at the time of their appointment with the legitimate building. Ah, I see. Most legitimate clinics won't actually have any real signage anywhere due to the threat from pro-life extremists. Of violence. It is so weird that these are all like hardcore right-wing Christians and they're they're using their faith as the reason to be anti-abortion when the Bible specifically doesn't really mention much at all about it being wrong. And if anything, the worst thing that happens is if you attack a woman and cause her to abort, there's like a f- uh, five shekels of silver fine. Right. Which is not the fine for murder. Mm. Right? If you murder somebody, you get killed. But if you make somebody somebody else, even if they don't want an abortion, and you like punch the woman in the stomach and she aborts, it says uh, Leviticus 27.6. Uh, and if it be from a month old, even unto five years old, then thy estimation shall be of the male five shekels of silver. And mm. for the female, thy estimation shall be three shekels of silver. So the woman, if she is involved, has to pay three shekels. A five-year-old baby. Up to five years old. Yeah, mm. yeah but fetuses and infants are not human beings, according to the Bible. Yeah, Joe. Well, and I think that when they're promoting the agenda of uh, like anti-abortion agenda, I don't think it's really about saving the babies oh, or no. saving the fetuses. It's about controlling women's sexuality. Yes, Joe. How dare you? <laughs> how dare you hit Christian fundamentals in the face of the Bible? <laughs> I know. In at least one case, they take you to a back room for an ultrasound, have you remove your pants, and then begin lecturing you on the sins of abortion. They do not give you back your pants until you have listened, and a few women tricked this way refused to listen and stormed out in the streets, furious, ashamed, and in their underwear. Wow, holding on to your pants until you can hear their spiel. Yeah. I tell you, those, those uh, timeshare corporations could take a lesson from these folks. <laughs> Man. In the news. Ding. Here's a horrible story. 2013, Philadelphia. Horribly good. Dr. Kermit Baron Gosnell. Wait, the guy's name is Kermit? 72. This is already my favorite part of the 72. story. 72. And a pre-Kermit the Frog. Uh-huh. An abortion provider who killed babies by cutting their spinal cords with scissors oh. was found guilty and convicted on three counts of first-degree murder. Oh. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. What? Yeah. Gosnell also was found guilty of involuntary man's laughter in the death of Karnamaya Mangar, 41, who died of an anesthetic overdose during a second trimester abortion at his West Philadelphia clinic known as Women's Medical Society. All right. So I understand why he would get convicted of like negligent homicide in respect to this anesthetic death of this woman. But if he's an abortion doctor, why is he getting arrested for murder in performing abortions. I don't understand. Well, Gosnell, who is not a board-certified obstetrician or gynecologist... Oh, he's just a dude? ...was also found guilty of 21 counts of abortion of the unborn 24 weeks or older. In Pennsylvania, abortions past 24 weeks are illegal unless the health of the mother is at stake. Oh, okay. So these are illegal late-term abortions, and he's not a doctor. He's just a dude. 
The grand jury report says the people who ran this sham medical practice included no doctors other than Gosnell himself. So it was a doctor, but I guess he wasn't the right kind of doctor. certified. Yeah. Okay. And not even a single nurse, yet they still made diagnoses, performed procedures, and administered drugs. In 2010, the Department of Health and Law Enforcement members entered Gosnell's clinic. They found blood on the floor, stench of urine filled the air. A flea-infested cat was wandering through the facilities. Oh. (laughs) And there were cat feces on the stairs. Oh, that's nice in a medical facility. Semi-conscious women scheduled for abortions were moaning in the waiting room. All the women had been sedated by unlicensed staff long before Gosnell arrived at the clinic. And staff members could not accurately state what medications or dosages they administered to the rating patients. Wow. Mm. Many of the medications in inventory were past their expiration dates. Surgical procedure rooms were filthy and unsanitary, resembling a bad gas station restroom, quote unquote. Oh, oh no. Instruments were not sterile. Equipment was oh. rusty and outdated. No. Oh. Oxygen equipment was covered with dust and had not been inspected. Like, seriously, if you put this in a movie, you'd be like, oh, this would never happen. Yeah. Rusty abortion equipment? Like, honestly. Isn't, like, medical equipment, surgical equipment made out of stainless steel? How does it even get rusty? That's Yeah, that's a great question. The story is really horrific and does not at all represent any abortion clinics that I've ever Wait been into, which are clean and the staff is kind and qualified. Um, and minute. the National Abortion Federation lists all of the websites that are actually uh, certified to perform abortions. I think I know what's going on here. I'm trying to scare people away from having abortions because I'm secretly a, a right-winging oh, yeah? Christian. Yeah. Torin. Torin uh, loves no, babies. I think I know what's going on here. The, 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 this is shining a light on the untold story that vaginas are incredibly corrosive. They will, in fact, eat away at the outer layer of abortion equipment. You are just looking for a reason for your penis being so small. You're like, oh, it's been shrunk down by women's vaginas, corrosive capabilities. I just knew knew it before. Now I just have the evidence. That's all. There you go. Erosion has occurred. The list goes on. The same corroded suction tubing used for abortions was the only tubing available for oral airways if assistance for breathing was needed. Wait, what, wait. What? So does that mean they used a tube to suck babies out and then they would use the same tube to like put it down women's throats to help their breathing? Fatal remains were haphazardly stored throughout the clinic in bags, milk jugs, orange juice cartons, cat food containers. You can't even order like disposable bags off the internet to do it like. Wait, wow. why do they have the remains are lying around? Like, why didn't they just flush them down the toilet or something? Oh, totally clog up. You need a garburator. Solves everything. Garburator. Gosnell admitted to Detective Wood that at least 10 to 20% were probably older than 24 weeks, the legal limit. The investigators found a row of jars containing just the severed feet of fetuses. What? That's weird. Is he a collector? In the basement, they discovered medical waste piled high. The intact 19-week fetus delivered by Ms. Mongar three months earlier was in a freezer. In all, the remains of 45 fetuses were recovered. At least two of them had been viable. Like, seriously, like, start a start a, a, a fire in an oil drum out back. Like, why are you leaving all these fetuses lying around? I don't I don't even understand. I, I think you Joe, you're right, lazy. Joe. Yeah, I, I'm, I am. And I am. I am horrified by the laziness here. Listen, my house is full of clutter. It is not full of fucking garbage. <laughs> I put my garbage in my garbage can and I take my garbage can out. I just have like books and papers and like toys and games everywhere, but not fucking fetuses. Like you would think that somebody in the place might even have been a gardener. You could have composted them or something. Why do you hate fetuses so much, Joe? (laughs) I just hate them lying around my house. He obviously doesn't have the fetish. I don't have a fetal fetish. Mm -hmm. 
Patients were given labor-inducing drugs by staff who had no medical training. Once labor began, the patient would be placed on a toilet. After the fetus fell into the toilet, it would be fished out so as not to clog the plumbing. Oh, they actually thought about that for a second. In the recovery room, patients were seated on dirty <laughs> recliners covered in blood-stained blankets. The grand jury estimated that Gosnell's practice took in $10,000 to $15,000 a night in addition to income from his exceedingly high level of prescriptions. Okay, so he's making tons of money yeah. and he's storing them in like empty milk jugs and bags. And just I He's obviously not replacing his equipment letting I was, it get rusty. I was so ready to be offended by his jail sentence. Uh-huh. I was like, "What?" Oh yeah, like this is this was a conspiracy on the at part the beginning of, of the of yeah, the yeah, the beginning story. of this. Yeah. I was like, "Oh man, we're going to hear a horrible story about a guy, guy being doing, railroaded doing some heroic work for some poor women and then this guy is no, this ruining is it monster. for the ones doing it right." Yeah. Gosnell has been accused by authorities of preying on low-income minority women. Defense argued that Gosnell offered access to health care for people who were poor and without health insurance. Mm-hmm. CNN legal analyst Paul Kellen states, Most objective observers will say that ultimately this will be an isolated case, hopefully, and that it's simply a case where prosecutor ha- prosecutors had to act. It had nothing to do with being pro- or anti-abortion. I would agree with that. Yeah, that more sounds- restrictions on abortions will lead to more cases like the Women's Medical Society, not fewer abortion yep. rights advocates argue. Mm-hmm. We thought we had said goodbye to back alley abortionists, said the head of the Women's Health and Rights Program at the Center for American Progress, or WARPCAP. WARPCAP. Legal That acts- does sound pretty rad. As acronyms go, that's pretty decent, right? Like, you want to be pro-abortion, call yourself WARPCAP. You're going to get all the Trekkies in anyway. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even Trekkies need abortions. <laughs> legal access to abortion helps counteract predators who prey on vulnerable women. Access to safe legal abortions prevents this from ever happening. And how did the predators get involved? Like, who the hell are you? I'm your baby. <laughs> January 2014, justices on Kansas's highest court expressed skepticism that a man convicted of first-degree murder in the shooting of a Wichita abortion provider should get a new trial because he believed he was saving the lives of unborn children. Yeah. All seven Supreme Court justices had pointed questions for the attorney representing Scott Roeder, who is serving at least 50 years in prison for killing Dr. George Tiller in May of 2009. Roeder gunned down Tiller in the foyer of the doctor's church, where he was serving as an usher just as a Sunday service was starting. If I was a Christian, that's where I'd do a shooting. At church. <laughs> it's the house of God. Yeah, I was about to say, under the eyes of, of the Lord, that's right? That's right. Yeah. Appellate defender Rachel Pickering argued that Roeder should get a new trial because jurors weren't allowed to consider whether they could convict him of voluntary manslaughter rather than first-degree murder. The lesser crime covers killings that occur when people have a sincere but unreasonable belief that harm to themselves or others is imminent and justifies deadly force. Uh Tiller was among a few U.S. physicians known to perform late-term abortions. Roeder had strong anti-abortion beliefs equating Tiller's procedures with murder. We're talking about his view that this doctor is performing illegal abortions resulting in the deaths of others, Pickering told the court. During Roeder's trial, Judge Warren Wilbert, the alter ego of a character in Spider-Man comics, Mm -hmm. allowed the confessed killer to testify to his beliefs, but ultimately refused to let the jury consider the lesser charge. The defense's tactic outraged Tiller's colleagues and abortion rights advocates nationwide who feared it gave a more than tacit approval to further acts of violence. Yeah, which maybe is kind of the point. Yeah. Right. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, we're all about the same age. And I remember like back in the late 80s, it seemed to be an abortion doctor getting gunned down like every other month or something like that. Like it was in the news all the time. So yeah. are, are, are abortion doctors like not getting gunned down as often or is it like kind of that old news sort of scenario where 
it's happening, you know, regularly and, and we're just not hearing about it. You did hear about more of them back then, but I mean, abortion wasn't even legal in Canada until the 80s, right? So mm-hmm. this, that was still a fairly recent, like, very controversial mm-hmm. issue. Right. Yeah. Um, so now I certainly think that there is still um, threats against abortion providers. Um, I think that they've gotten really good at not making themselves very public. Like, because there were some bombings back in, like, the 80s and late 80s, early 90s, too. Like, some of the abortion clinics in the States were getting, like, literally firebombed. Right, yeah. Uh, Wikipedia has eight abortion doctor murders since 1993. Oh, okay. And then there's the assaults and the attempted murders. Then there's, that's, that's just murders, yeah. yeah. Then there's attempted murder, assault, and kidnapping, uh, and several more of those. There are 17 attempted murders, 383 death threats, 153 incidents of assault or battery, and three kidnappings committed against abortion Am I providers. the only one who finds it ironic that pro-lifers have uh, been murdering doctors? Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. They should change the name, maybe. Yeah. June 2013. I'm going to do this in my old-timey voice. June 2013, Washington, D.C. As the House of Representatives prepares to consider huge legislative restrictions on a woman's right to choose, one GOP congressman is using the idea that fetuses can masturbate to argue for more abortion restrictions. Michael Burgess, an OBGYN by trade, told his colleagues to watch a sonogram of a 15-week baby and they have movements that are purposeful. They stroke the face. If they're a male baby, they may have their hands between their legs. If they feel pleasure, why is it so hard to believe that they could feel pain? This house's bill uses the scientifically disputed idea that a fetus can feel pain after 20 weeks as the basis for effectively banning all abortions after that time. Several state legislators have passed similar bans, though just last month an appeals court struck down a fetal pain bill in Arizona. America, it's funny, Americans are using this feels pain thing as some kind of defense uh, of anti-abortion laws when they've also got stand your ground laws and you could very easily consider a baby as an intruder on the woman's body and the abortion <laughs> is, true, is her standing her ground <laughs> saying, get the fuck out. So the, your thing Maybe is, if you use a gun, they'll be totally fine with it. Uh, so this is more like a landlord-tenant situation than a mother-baby is what you're saying. <laughs> That's right. Well, so maybe then if you, you you give them 90 days notice, right, so that they can – you have notice of eviction. Right. That's right. right? Put a little, shove a little letter up there. Yeah. No, no, man. You don't pay rent. Two weeks, you're gone. Yeah, you That's post, how it works. post a bill on the inside of the wall of the uterus. So here's a question. Nail it to the, to the labia. <laughs> Oh. Here's a question from our listener, Jesse Bridal. Yeah. I'm sure all the hosts, as well as medical facts and statistics, will come down generally on the pro-choice side. But I'm really interested in the different cases for where the ethical line should be for how late in a pregnancy an abortion should be done for non-life-saving reasons. Mm-hmm. I'd like to hear just what a fetus at various levels of development are capable of and what the differences are between, say, an eight-month pre-birth fetus and a one-month post-birth baby. I have no insight on yeah. this topic whatsoever. I'm not an expert. Yeah. What do I know? We're coming from the perspective, and our, even our medical guest has very little knowledge of abortions. Like late-term about, abortions. About abortions after 20 weeks, right? And they're not legal here basically after 20 weeks unless the extreme danger to the person who's carrying the baby. Mm-hmm. Actually, in Canada, there isn't any legal restriction on when abortions can be done. It's just that... Um, the clinics themselves kind of have a prescription, that internal prescription. Yeah, it's just they're, they're not accessible. Yeah. Yeah. So, no I mean... One's, no one's providing them. So <laughs> it's sort of like, do we really need to talk about the ethical impact of these late-term abortions, like eight-month versus 10-month, if nobody's actually doing them? Like, I mean, what was it? 0.7% of abortions in Canada are actually performed after 20 weeks, right? Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's a bit of a distractor because it's an issue that often comes up, um, but... 
that it's not really the reality of abortions that are actually being provided. Right. We can talk about, oh, the, a baby at eight months has, can do this, this, that, and the other, and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, yeah. so that's why you shouldn't perform an abortion. You're like, yeah, but that's not when abortions are performed. Yeah. So exactly. it's kind of a moot point, right? Yeah, and generally when you're talking about the ethics of abortion, um, most people will agree that the point of fetal viability is mm. sort of right. is the cutoff there. I mean, I know some people my age who I would be fine with being aborted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking so, at you, Kevin. Oh, thank you. I'm going to take that as a compliment. That would be a 430-month abortion. <laughs> uh-huh. yes, I like it. <laughs> the, the 91st trimester. Is you is or is you ain't my baby. The way you're acting lately makes me doubt. You. Still my baby, baby it Seems my flame and your heart's done gone out A woman is a creature that has always been strange Just when you're sure of one you find She's gone and made a change Is you, is or is you ain't my baby Maybe baby's found somebody new is my baby still my baby true? Is you or is you ain't my baby, baby, baby? For the way you're acting lately makes me doubt. See here, who's been cutting me? You still my baby, 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 boy, it seems my A woman is a creature that has always been strange. Just when you're sure of one you find, she's gone and made a change and took my change. Is you, is, or is you ain't my baby? Maybe baby found somebody new. Maybe baby's found somebody My baby. In the pop culture, uh-huh. the 1956 amendment to the Motion Picture Production Code, the Hollywood Studio System's internal playbook for strictly regulating content until 1966, reads, The subject of abortion shall be discouraged, shall never be more than suggested, and when referred to shall be condemned. It must never be treated lightly or made the subject of comedy. Abortion shall never be shown explicitly or by inference, and a story must not indicate that an abortion has been performed. The word abortion shall not be used. Wow. Mm. So even when you could talk about it, you couldn't actually call it by its name. What would be a euphemism for abortion? Mm. Oh, baby plopper? Besides all those slangs? Yeah, the, 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 the top. Ah, it's a hoover. Well, Mr. Hoover, you're going to visit another region, are you? Possibly. Uh-huh. That was in an old-timey film. Yeah. One of my favorite movies that uh, features abortion, Dirty Dancing, actually doesn't ever mention the word abortion, even right. though it's apparent that that's what's happening. They just call it the procedure? Well, you just know that someone got into a situation and she needs to have a procedure done. Right. Yeah, but yeah. they were kind of like, it was all talking in the context of like how people would talk in that era kind of thing, right? Because they kept saying, oh, she's in trouble and she's... We got to get her out of trouble, and we need the doctor. And yeah. I didn't you can say it. you can say doctor. 
you can't uh, right. say abortionist. Fast Times at Ridgemont High came out in 82, and I, an abortion was a pretty major part of that, but I can't remember if they called it. An abortion, and yeah. I, I, she definitely went to an abortion clinic. Yeah. Well, I watched the two-parter of Maud recently. Oh, yeah. You know what? I remember that being like a big deal back in the day. It was the first season of Maud. Uh-huh. It was, it was a two-parter. Well, she got a lot of press. There's no such thing as bad press, and right? I'm pretty sure. And th- when it comes to abortions, there's no such thing as a bad press on the stomach. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, there probably is. Safety I don't think first. So. And I laughed. Oh, oh, really? Oh, I laughed. Uh-huh. At Maud. Oh, Maud. Yeah, but you don't really like babies, so it could have been horribly, <laughs> horribly straight, and something, you still probably would have Something interesting I learned from actually watching that, yeah. uh, Walter, who is her husband, says to Maud, tell me you're not really pregnant. And Maud says, it's true, the rabbit died. And I'd never heard that expression before, so I looked it up. Oh, yeah, the, the whole right. testing the, on the rabbit. The rabbit always dies is what I know. The mm-hmm. rabbit test was an early pregnancy test developed in 1931. Uh-huh. The rabbit test consisted of injecting the, woman's, the tested woman's urine into a female rabbit, then examining the rabbit's ovaries a few days later, which would change in response to a hormone only secreted by pregnant women. The hormone, human chorionic gonadotropin. Gonadotropin, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Thank you, or HCG. Is produced during pregnancy and indicates the presence of a fertilized egg. It can be found in a pregnant woman's urine and blood. So the rabbit right. test. But the thing is, the rabbit always dies. Is that true? They, they kill it to to get at the ovaries to look at it. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, you yeah. can't just shine a flashlight up a rabbit's hoo ha and get it, it get a get a get an uninterrupted view at how they've yeah. transformed. And they, they don't go. Let's cut it open and look, and then sew it back up. <laughs> it's a rabbit. Yeah. Uh, but but the rabbit died became a colloquialism for the pregnancy test came back that I'm pregnant. So spoiler alert. Maud decides to get the abortion. They do not show Maud getting an abortion. Uh-huh. <laughs> they show her hugging her husband at the end after the decision is made. They, they don't show him shoving. <laughs> they, they don't show him shoving her shoving her down a set of stairs. Oh God! <laughs> I watched two movies, uh, both of which I never want to see again for completely different reasons. Uh-huh. Okay. Let me talk about the terrible one first. Uh, I watched uh, Hanger. Which is mm-hmm. a 2009 movie. And let me guess. It's about that cat from the poster. The hang in there. Hang, right. in, there. hang in there, Because, you know, because he, uh, oh. that cat needs an abortion. Oh, how I wish it was. Oh, uh, Hanger is the name of the of the main character who, whose uh, mother was a prostitute, uh, whose pimp didn't like that she was pregnant. Okay. And uh, in a scene shot right in front of us on camera uh, with, I'm. it sure looked like a woman's actual vagina okay. and an actual coat hanger going in, filling up the entire screen, okay. and then fake blood pouring out of it as he yanks out an aborted baby doll uh-huh. with this hanger. It's disgusting. It's okay. And it's done only for shock value. Right. The This entire movie is terrible. Well, what year is this movie from? Uh, you know? This is from 2009. Oh, but... <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me it was like some early 80s exploitation film. No, this is like a trauma film, but it's like the worst of the worst and the most offensive film I've ever it's seen. It's a trauma film. A tra- like it. It's a trauma film. I, I hated, hated, hated this movie. Okay. I cannot tell you how much I hated it. I've hated, I hated this more than I've hated any other movie I've seen for Caustic Soda. All right. So the pimp does this on camera and then throws the baby in a dumpster. And, and a homeless, movie over. Uh, movie over. No, a homeless guy hears it mewling and somehow raises it to live and it's horribly disfigured like looks like a monster and has monstrous teeth and scar tissue all Mm, over it and Uh somehow is a cannibal 
And then you jump forward to uh, when it's a, I don't know how old it is, but it's like a teenager or, or a pretty much an adult. Uh-huh. And there's more of a revenge story going on. But the film is scattered with violence on women, uh, some gay rape while a guy is uh, unconscious. Uh, his best, fr- his Hanger's best friend, his name is Hanger. That's what the, right, uh, the homeless guy him. named him because yeah, right. he found him semi-aborted. His best friend, who's also another freakish type character, uh, for some reason gets off on making tea out of used tampons that he found from this woman he finds okay. attractive. Mm-hmm. It's, it has nothing to do with the story going on. It's just right. done to be gross and disgusting. Mm-hmm. There's ridiculous uh, gun battles going on. Uh, and just, it's awful. This is It's a horrible, terrible movie. So, Katie, you're a resident expert, um, mm. because this is obviously based on a true story. <laughs> yes. How? What's the percentage of aborted babies that go on to become uh, street <laughs> cannibals? <laughs> Pretty 50%? reliably, we could say zero. Zero yeah. percent. I don't know. That's a... Darn, are you sure she knows what she's talking about? I don't want to talk about it. All right. It's not even so bad. It's good. It was, I just, it took me three different sessions to get through this movie. Uh-huh. And I'm three a caustic trimesters. soda. Three, three trimesters, trimesters of viewing. <laughs> I'm a you should have aborted after the first one. Yeah. Yeah, should have. This movie should have been aborted. Absolutely. And what was the second movie you saw? Uh, the second movie I saw is uh, Four Months, Three Weeks, and Two Days. Uh, it's a Romanian film from 2007. Uh, I believe it actually won the, the Golden Palm at the can, uh, oh, wow. at the can and okay. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Palm Door. It follows the story of Otila and Gabriela, uh, who are two university friends in an unnamed Romanian town. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film is set in 1987, one of the last years of the uh, Ceausescu regime. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Gabita becomes pregnant, the two girls arrange a meeting with Mr. Bebe in a hotel where he is to perform an illegal abortion. Ooh, uh, I wonder if Mr. Bebe is a Romanian for Mr. Mr. Baby. Maybe. Communist Romania had a national uh, natalist policy against abortion at the time. Uh, this is a fantastically done movie, and the reason right. I don't want to see it is it's super depressing. Right, because uh, it's set in Romania in the 80s. Right, yeah, yeah. Right. And and they're, they're going through horrible things, and it's shot very minimalist. It's very slow. Very cinema uh, verite. Yeah, but it, while it's shot minimalist and very slow, it's very tense because you know what they're setting up to do, mm-hmm. and there's just this this feeling over the whole movie. So really excellent movie, but because it's such a bummer, I don't ever want to watch it again, Ah. but I, but I do think it's a good movie to watch. Uh, Unlike hanger. So it's just horrible. In the scales of justice, you kind of evened out. You came out square on this one. No, I would. Oh man. We watched a good movie and a bad movie. Hanger was way more of a negative than four months, three weeks and two days was a positive. But I think uh, Four Months, Three Weeks, and Two Days is an excellent movie if you want to watch to learn just how bad it is when abortions are illegal and what women have to go through to get them done. Nah. Uh, excellent, excellent film, but just Character total, piece. total downer. Katie, you want to talk about Parsley Days? Parsley Days is a film by a Canadian filmmaker, Andrea, Andrea Dorfman. It was shot in Halifax, and uh-huh. it's about a woman who ends up pregnant and doesn't want to be, and... It's sort of like a lighthearted indie film. Um, it's pretty good. I would actually recommend it. Um, now, why is it called Parsley Days? Parsley Days because one of her friends recommends that she eat copious amounts of parsley every day. Um, as an, to cause an abortion? Yeah. As an abortificient? You uh-huh. got it. Does it work? It does not work. No, oh. she ends up having a procedure at the <laughs> but end. But her breath was marvelously fresh. <laughs> uh, so you give it a thumbs up? Definitely. Who's the star? It's no one that I would recognize. I think it had a good soundtrack, though. I think Julie Doran's on the soundtrack. Gotta love a movie with a good soundtrack. Right, Torn? Huh? 
Right, John? I can talk about an episode of the TV series Masters of Horror. Uh-huh. They did an episode called Pro-Life, which the entire plot revolved around an abortion clinic. And Ron Perlman chases his uh, 15-year-old oh. daughter to the abortion clinic. and Chases her too? Yeah, because she's running away from him. Right. Uh, because he's a big pro-lifer. Okay. And so he's actually got a restraining order against him, so he can't come within 500 yards of the abortion clinic because he's made threats and the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and of course, the doctors feel, like, you know, very justified in, doing, in conducting their business. Right. And it turns out that the young girl was impregnated by the devil. So it's not oh. it's not an everyday uh, it's not an everyday pregnancy. That is a hazard for abortion, abortion providers. Uh-huh. Yeah, that there could be demon seed yeah, inside uh, there. coming out of there. And uh, so yeah, so it's uh, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Uh, Ron Perlman is as uh, he's Ron Perlman, you know. <laughs> so, but he's not Hellboy. He's not Hellboy. That's too Sometimes bad. You to say like he is kind of draws your eye in every scene that he is in because he's. So dramatic in the whole nine yards. And uh, there is a birth, the abortion that does not happen because she has kind of a little baby bump when she shows up. She's uh-huh. like, and they say, oh, she's kind of in the right range for an abortion. Right. But in the, like, the hour that she's there, it grows to like full term. Oh. Uh, and, uh, Trixie and so, yeah. Antichrist. So then it becomes too big for them to actually perform the abortion. The doctor and the nurse who are about to perform the abortion like, literally run and hide and cower for like the last 20 minutes of the show. <laughs> and it's like an hour long episode. Wow. So it was like, yeah, it was a, uh, it's, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Devil fetus. Devil baby evidently has uh, the legs and claws of a king crab. Oh, nice. So I'm guessing. I'm guessing that the devil baby was they took a doll, cut its arms and legs off, yeah. and stuck the arms and legs of a king crab on it and right. had it walk around like a right. spider. Okay, sure. Because they completely blew the entire budget on the devil costume for sure. Because <laughs> okay. it was the devil costume was really good. Everything else was shitty. But the devil costume was great. The one thing about uh, this that, you know, is probably going to stick with me longer than I would care for it to, Ron Perlman kills an abortion doctor by sticking a uh, one of those suction units up his uh, hoo-ha. Oh. And sucks all his insides out. His anus? Uh, he his actually, rectum? No, he creates an incision with a... Uh, Creates a, it slices his taint open. Oh, okay. It's, wow. It's right in two there. Two holes. One hole isn't enough. Isn't enough. No, uh, sorry, Bob. The urethra counts as a hole. Citizen Ruth. I love that movie. 1996 with Laura Dern. It was the first Alexander Payne movie I ever watched. Alexander Payne. No, not that kind of pain. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> I didn't really know what to expect, but I was delighted. It is oh. awesome. It's really, really good. So uh, Laura Dern plays Ruth, who is a uh, poor, irresponsible, and pregnant woman. She's a she's a paint huffer. Yeah, she and loves, a glue to huffer. Huff, loves to huff paint. Yeah. Um, she's been arrested multiple times. She has a bunch of kids that she doesn't take care of that have gone to up to adoption or whatever. Yeah, and foster homes and all that jazz. She starts the movie out pregnant. She gets arrested. The judge says, you have to get an abortion yeah. or we'll put you in jail. Mm-hmm. So she goes to the abortion clinic and the pro-lifers there basically kidnap her uh-huh. and say, don't worry. We're going to take care of you. Everything's going to be fine. They have their pro-life agenda that they're working on. This media, this becomes a big media thing. And who's head of the pro-life campaign? 
Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. <laughs> that not perfect casting. And then she is taken from them. She's kidnapped from them. Because the, the pro-lifers had a mole. The pro-lifers are portrayed as very stereotypical right-wing Christian. I've got all that stuff going for them. Then she gets kidnapped by the pro-choice faction yeah. who are portrayed as very stereotypical, you know, lesbian moon worshippers. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, all that Kelly kind of stuff. Kelly Preston is the pro-life mole who actually kidnaps Laura Dern from within the pro-life organization. Right. She takes, takes off her, her giant glasses and her conservative wig and yeah. everything like that. And, and it's hilarious. So <laughs> It's really so, good. And the stakes just get higher and higher as the movie goes up. One side offers her, you know, $10,000 oh, yeah. to have because an abortion. And- she, she, she is, the, through all of this, Ruth is completely ambivalent about whether she has the baby or not. She's just, yeah. like, now using both sides against each other to get what as she much, wants. As much money as she can as and much get money, out of there. Yeah, 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 as much money and, and as much paint as she can huff. I right? absolutely recommend this movie. Oh, okay. It, if you're an abortion fan or not. Well, oh, okay. if, if you like any Alexander Payne movie, What this are some of his is, other films? Uh, he did Sideways. He did About Schmidt. He did right. uh, the recent one, Nebraska. Nebraska. He, if you like any of his movies... This is probably one of his better efforts. Like, I put it in easily the top third of his films. Mm, all right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was an episode of Battlestar Galactica where um, a young woman wants to have an abortion and um, she's trying to access it. And I think that she actually found, finds a doctor that's willing to perform it. And then, This is the new Battlestar Galactica. Correct. This oh, yeah, is the not new the, Battlestar not the Galactica. 70s. I believe it's the. <laughs> In the first season. Um, you did have Lauren Green looking down and saying, boy, don't do abortions on these Mormon ship. <laughs> it's uh, season two, episode 17. The Captain's Hand. Is that how they perform the abortion? <laughs> the Captain's Hand? Captain's Hand. Is like, it like a monkey paw? The controversy, I think, is um, the woman is from a very religious family that doesn't want her to have the abortion. And then it kind of draws attention to it, which raises the issue of continuing to perpetuate the human race. Um, right, because now the stakes are so high. Yeah, uh-huh. that's an issue the at this Cylons. point in time. There aren't a lot of new pregnancies. Um, so I th- the president end up, ends up, she's very conflicted about it, but she ends up making abortion illegal. But this woman does um, end up getting the abortion. Now, do they get into the procedure? Because you'd think way in the future that it would just be like all lasers and like, you know, run a tricorder over her stomach or something. Right, right yeah. No, there's zero mention of how uh, it's done. The old-fashioned way. <laughs> Throw her down the flight of stairs. There's very few stairs on yeah. Battlestar Galactic. <laughs> it, it, it's hard to push people downstairs in zero gravity. I watched 2011's The Life Zone. Okay. Three women. Wait, had... is this the sequel to The Dead Zone? Yes, I wish. Uh-huh. Three women who had been expecting to abort their babies wake up to find they've been kidnapped and held captive by a doctor who intends for them to deliver their unwanted babies. Okay. Instead mm. of your usual horror affair, the women are dressed in nightgowns and drink warm milk while reading and watching propaganda on why abortion is bad. Okay. Was this made by like a really super Christian group? It about... sure was. Oh, really? After a while, two of the women realize that what they are about to do was wrong and agree to have their babies, while the third still resists and tries to force a miscarriage. Uh The climax of the movie, and I'm going to tell you this because I don't want you to watch it. Okay, Okay, all right. And the climax of the movie involves the climax? Uh, Shows that they are all in purgatory and that the two women who gave birth are now in heaven, while the unlucky dieharder has been cast into hell where she becomes pregnant and gives birth over and over and over. Oh, nice. So this is Kirk Cameron's uh, production company. It's not Kirk Cameron, um, but despite marketing itself as a horror movie, the Life Zone's marketing material hides its true face, a poorly written pro-Christian polemic 
It was rated two out of ten on IMDb. And you thought that was generous? No, I actually would have given it a three. Oh, okay. Oh, why I a gave three? it a three because the acting wasn't terrible. All okay. right. The acting was higher than a three. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was an interesting idea. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They w- were forced to watch, as I said, all this propaganda on this TV and and mm-hmm. whatnot, and have these round robin discussions with the with the. With <laughs> was the it people. a full hour and a half? Yeah, it was a full length feature. How do you fill an hour and a half with this story? So they have they were watching uh, these two people having this discussion on TV, mm-hmm. and one of them was like, "I'll pretend to be a pro choice guy. I've got my ideas laid out and everything." So they have this discussion, and right up to where the part where they get start to get logical, they just kind of drop, and he says, "Yeah, I agree with you, <laughs> uh-huh. pro lifer guy." Right. So they never really get. Now, yeah, it's it's disappointing in that way. It could have kind of been a horror movie if they'd treated the propaganda bit like they do in uh, Clockwork Orange. And they right. strapped them to right. gurneys and put them in straitjackets and showed them images of aborted fetuses with their eyes pried open and stuff like that. It was Like I said, it was an interesting premise. It was interesting that these three women were, were in prison and were forced to carry their babies to term and that they were supposedly in this medical facility out in the, uh, nowhere. And they were able to get videos sent back and forth to their loved ones to make mm-hmm. sure that they were all right and hear from them and whatnot. Yeah, it was, it was generally weak, though. Yeah, interesting in three out of ten don't usually go hand in hand. I would use different words to describe that. The was movie. the three that was because it was interesting. Oh, it was three points worth of interesting. Yeah. I'll tell you what else you don't need to watch ever again. Yes, uh, Degrassi High. What do you mean? I I've actually never watched it, but I hear everyone loves it. Well, Degrassi. Everyone's a Degrassi fan. Kevin Smith's a big Degrassi fan. Degrassi Junior High. Oh, yes. was the first series. Uh, in which, you know, became quite famous. It's a Canadian, for all of our non-Canadian listeners out there, it was a long-running Canadian kind of 90210 ripoff before 90210. Whoa. Degrassi Junior High was the first series, and then when all the stars of that show got too old to basically pretend they were still in junior high, they they started a new series called Degrassi High. Okay. And this was the first episode of season one of the new series. Oh, okay. And there's two twin sisters in it, and one of the twins gets pregnant over the summer, and she has to go get an abortion, but they're from a very Christian family. And so one of the sisters goes and gets the abortion, and the other sister will never let her forget it. And oh. She's like, I'm like, like your sister needs to hear you gripe at her every second minute of the day. I was sick and tired of her. I'll tell you that right now. You didn't like the sister. Well, I didn't like much about it. I mean, this this is from like 1988, right? Did they show the so, abortion happening? No. No, no. She walks in the front door and then they, they that's the end of the episode. That was disappointing. Yeah, they had people with signs, you know, <laughs> really? don't murder your baby and like waving them in her face and she just like walks in. Uh, and then then they then the start of the second episode, they like open up with her like sitting with her knees pulled close to her chest and rocking on her bed and the whole nine yards, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the cinematography is deplorable. The acting really? the acting is awful. The production high. values are zero. The plot is horrible. The Everything is bad about this. I didn't watch this show back in the day when we were kids, even though there were lots of people who thought it was great, and I never really understood why. And I Why would you when Battle of the Planets was on? I stand behind that original position. Battle of the awful. Planets is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen, that is, Battle of the Planets is what made me feel a lot uh, better about things like Power Rangers, because uh, I loved Battle of the Planet. This is totally off topic. It sure is. <laughs> I loved Battle of the Planets when I was a kid, like crazy loved it, uh-huh. and got the DVDs when they came out on DVD and started watching it, and it 
is offensively terrible. It is so badly animated, especially the inserts that they put into the American version in order to pull out the violence from the Japanese one. And which one? Uh, which of the characters in Battle of the Planets had an abortion? None. All right. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, so I would say Degrassi High is probably only interesting because how early it was dealing with teen pregnancy. And what? that was the great thing about Degrassi is that they actually like depicted people in high school like that are having sex and doing drugs and like right like it's not this perfect sort of cookie cutter image of high school. It's not the Cosby well, Show. It's not the Cosby Show. One of it was the edgier. One of the long-standing characters was the girl named Spike who had this giant hairdo, right? And in Degrassi Junior High, she actually got pregnant and had the baby. And so there was the girl who was pregnant and deciding whether or not to get an abortion was constantly coming over to Spike and be like. Hey, hypothetically, and ask like all these like hypothetical yeah, scenarios. Yeah, I have a friend. Like, yeah, it's hypothetically, uh, if you could go back and do it again, would you uh, have your pregnancy? And then, and then she decided through all these conversations she was going to have the abortion. And the twin sister found out about it and went to Spike and was like, "Hey, hypothet, you you think that it was a good thing that you had the baby, right? So you should go and tell my sister not to have an abortion because you have your baby and you love her." Right. And you're like, oh, God, you suck. <laughs> I think Spike actually had a really good response to that, though. It was uh-huh. just like about her choice was to have a baby. But that's not because she thought abortion was wrong by any means oh, yeah. or would judge anyone else's choice. Yeah. Spike. Mm-hmm. Spike was the voice of reason in this equation. Yeah, Spike but was a the, good character. The two twin sisters were the two sides of the coin. Was there a spaceship that turned into a phoenix on Degrassi High? <laughs> uh, God, I wish so. It would have actually made it way better. I rest my case. Uh-huh. <laughs> It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside, and when you wake up, startled to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. It's such a bad feeling, an ominous feeling, a feeling you know that we'll be back when the week is new. And we'll have more gross facts for you. And you'll have things you want to hear about. We will too. Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while suspended by hooks over a pack of hyenas. To comment on episodes, make donations, and for links, images, videos, and show notes, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter at Caustic Podcast. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. I'm a fan too. Thanks for listening. That's you know, Katie, you're allowed to laugh on microphone. You don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to just laugh silently over there. You can actually laugh into the microphone. Let the people of the world know that I made you laugh. It, there's no shame in that. There's, there's shame. a little shame. Yeah, there's there's a are little thousands shame. upon <laughs> thousands of people out there laughing with you.